Greg Rubel of Living Streams Community Church in McCordsville, Indiana. We want to thank you for your interest in God's Word and this message. We pray that God puts it into your heart. You have a thankful heart today. When I ask that question, you know, I'm asking, is your heart, is it full? When you look out over the expanse of your life, you see the, the mercy of God, the gifts of God, the grace of God, the provision and blessing of God. You know, when you look over that expanse and see moment after moment that is filled with Him, do you have a heart today that responds with thanksgiving? Do you have a thankful heart? You know, maybe you have a thankful heart today, or or maybe you have a heart that's filled up with something else. You know, maybe you have an envious heart today. You know, maybe this week you were out with friends, or maybe you're sitting around the table with the family, and, and you know, you heard story after story about, what your relatives had accomplished you know, over the past year. And, and you heard story after story of the things that they were able to acquire. And then you, know, you looked inside at your own life and you saw all of the emptiness that was there. All of the ways that you fell short. And you began to want. You, know, you began to want after those things. So maybe you have an envious heart today. You got up from the table after Thanksgiving. You went in front of the... The television, and there were all those commercials, you know, with all those gadgets and all those gizmos. In your heart, it began to long for those things. I mean, did you know, I don't know if you know this, but did you know that Teddy Ruxpin is back? (laughs) It's true, folks. Teddy Ruxpin is back, and Amazon says he is going to be the hot seller for this item. He is back, and he is, is better than ever, they say. So get him, get him while you can. He's the hot toy. But maybe you have an envious heart, or, you know, maybe today it could be that you have an anxious heart. You know, is your heart, is, is it filled up with worry today? Maybe you're at a place in your life where you're at a crossroads. You know, maybe there's a decision that has to be made, a path that has to be taken, and at this point there's no clarity as to which way you should go. And so there's anxiousness, there's anxiety that's building up in your heart. Maybe you're at work, you're shorthanded, it's coming up on the end of the year, and so all the to-do lists, they're piling higher and higher and higher, and there are more and more orders that need to get out, and, and there's stress, there's anxiety there. You know, maybe your family, 
You know, maybe you're getting older now and your family's getting bigger and, and the children, they're beginning to spread out and it's getting harder and harder to stay in touch with people and there's, there's anxiousness over that because you're losing touch. You're losing a hold of those that you love. And so maybe your heart, maybe it's full of worry today. You know, maybe it's envious, maybe it's anxious, maybe it's angry, maybe it's bitter, you know, maybe your heart is is hurt today. Whatever your heart is full of, listen, I want you to know that there is a heart that is available to you today that is filled with the sweetest peace of heaven. It's available to you today. I want you to know that there is a heart that is available to you today that is warmed by the brightest glow of the Son of God, you can have it. You know, you can have that heart today. There is a heart available that is nourished by the Spirit of God of whom we sing. And we're going to call it a thankful heart. You know, it's a thankful heart. I want to talk to you today about how to have a thankful heart. So if you can turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3, we're going to look at verses 15 and 16. Colossians chapter 3, we'll begin with verse 15. It says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. And as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. So the answer to our question, how can I have a thankful heart? We know when we look at our passage of Scripture, we find two directives or two actions which answer that question for us. How can I have a thankful heart? Number one, we see in verse 15 that we must let the peace of Christ rule. That's the first thing. And number two, in verse 16, we must let the word of Christ dwell. If I want to have a thankful heart, I need to let the peace of Christ rule and the word of Christ dwell. Those are our directions. So let's look at that first idea. Let the peace of Christ rule. What does that mean? And what does that look like in my life? You know, that phrase, peace, peace of Christ. Well, we can understand that, that that peace of Christ, it's really, it refers to two different types of peace. Okay, the peace of Christ refers to two different types of peace. Number one, we find that it refers to a relational peace. Okay, it refers to a relational peace. Now certainly when we look at the context of our passage of Scripture, you know, we can understand um, how peace is a relational thing when we're talking about living with one another as believers in Jesus Christ. And when, when Christ rules, peace should follow after. You know, there should be peace among us. 
So we can understand that the peace of Christ is relational in that way. But primarily today, I want us to understand that the peace of Christ refers to our relationship with God. Okay, the peace of Christ talks about my relationship with God. Now what does my relationship have to, with God have to do with the peace of Christ? One of the things that I thought about this week is that every single one of us here, okay, we all have this in common and other things, but this, but one thing that we all have in common is that every one of us, we either are or we have been enemies of God. Okay, every single one of us here, we either are or we have been enemies of God. Now, why is that a big deal? Why should I be concerned about that? Well, listen, understand that God the Father, God the Father is reigning in heaven. And God in heaven, we can understand that He is untarnished. He is unblemished, He is pure, He is true, He is altogether perfect and sinless in every way while I am not. So our very natures are contrary to one another. We're at odds with one another. You see, I am not untarnished. You know, I'm not unblemished. You know, I I have a lot of impurity in my life and there's a lot of sin that I have to battle with on a daily basis. There's a lot of sin in me. And so so I'm saying understand that, that everything that's in me, it's entirely, entirely contrary. Everything in my flesh, it's contrary. It's against the nature of God. And that's a big deal because the consequence of that The consequence of my contrary nature is that my life is a stench to Him. It's a stench. It puts me at odds with Him. It makes me an enemy of God. But listen, Romans chapter 5. In Romans chapter 5 verse 1 it says that we have been justified through faith so that we now have peace with God. Okay, it says that we have been justified through faith. We have peace with God. You see, the Scriptures tell us that the Father, in His wisdom, long ago, He sent the Son to earth. We're told that He lived a perfect life. He was man, and yet He was without sin. So He was blameless in every way. And yet we find that he was wrongly accused. He was without sin and yet wrongly accused. And so we're told that he was lifted up on the cross. And the thing to understand that while he was lifted up on that cross, understand that all of the sin of the world, okay, all of those things that were contrary to the nature of God, those things were flung up on that cross. Okay, so all of my sin and all of my tarnish, and all of my blemish, and all of my imperfection, everything that separated me from God was thrown up on that cross. And think about this. Ultimately, it was the weight of our sin that took the cross down. Okay, It was the weight of our sin that laid Jesus below the dirt. It was the weight of our sin, the penalty and the consequence that laid Him low. 
My sin buried Jesus. But you know the scriptures also say that in three days he rose again. And when he rose he gained victory over all my sin. He gained victory over it. He gained victory over everything that was not of God. So that belief in Jesus Christ through faith in Jesus Christ we have peace with God. And so that's why we talk about, you know, when we say the peace of Christ, what does that mean? Well, number one, we can understand that it refers to a relational peace. It refers to the peace that we can have with God the Father through Jesus Christ. So that's the first type of peace that we see there in verse 15. And then secondly, we can understand that this peace, it's not only relational, but it's also emotional. Okay, The peace of Christ is not only a relational peace, but it is also an emotional peace. It's the kind of peace that, that passes all understanding. You know, other versions say it's the kind of peace that transcends all understanding. It's the kind of peace that this is tricky, but listen to it. It's the kind of peace that is peace when peace should not be. Okay, it's the kind of peace that is peace when peace should not be. That's the kind of peace that we're talking about. You know, I remember as a as a young pastor, uh, I don't even think I was out of Bible college at the time, and <clears throat> so I was probably 21 or 22. And I remember that a mother uh, called me in my office that day, <clears throat> and she had uh, like big time problems and you know her son he had a lot of emotional uh, problems and so he was destroying the house and he was hurting himself and he was threatening uh, to hurt other people and so she called me you know in that moment you know wanting to know what should I do so keep in mind I'm like 21 here okay and keep in mind that I grew up in like a really stable home okay And so that doesn't mean, you know, that there was not sin in our home. I mean, there was plenty of sin. But what that means is that there was no high-level drama in our house. Or if there was, I didn't know about it. So I was not prepared for this. Now, yes, I was in Bible college. It's true. And, I, you know, I was taking classes, classes that were titled like New Testament Survey and systematic theology. And I remember I took Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. You know, it was a wonderful class. But there was no class titled, What to Do When Someone's Life is Blowing Up. You know, and I really could have used a class like that. So Gavin, you know, get on your advisor and say, Hey. But you know, I remember in that moment, you know, just as she was there, you know, on the other end of that phone. And I just remember just the clarity that came over me. And, you know, it's like when I spoke with her, there there was a certitude there. You know, and there, there was an authority there. You know, and I told her, listen, you need to do this, and you need to do this, and you need to do this, and you need to do it now. And if you know me, you know, I mean, that does not sound like shame. I mean, you know, I'm not a do this, do this, you know, kind of a guy. I mean, I, you know, really, really, really like working with you, discerning things out together. 
You know, but in that moment, you know, I just, I just remember that the clarity and the certitude and the authority with which I spoke. You know, now what was that? Well, I'll tell you what it was. It was the peace of Christ that was ruling in my heart at that moment. It was the peace of Christ. You know, I was watching <clears throat> Thursday night football a couple of weeks ago. After worship practice, it was the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Carolina Panthers. And so Ben Roethlisberger, he's the quarterback for the Steelers, right? So he was out on the field with his offense. You know, he's back there and he's taking the snap. So Big Ben, he gets the ball and he drops back. He's looking over. He's going to pass out this way. And so he leans back to throw. And as he's leaning back to throw, you know, around the line over here, there comes a defensive lineman of the Carolina Panthers. And Ben, he's reaching back. And right as he's getting ready to throw, I mean, just boom, you know, this lineman just nails Ben, like right underneath his shoulder. And he falls to the ground. And, you know, they have all that high-definition business, you know, where you can watch the replays. And, man, when they show that replay, I mean, the dude, I mean, in Big Ben, he's big, you know. But he just crumpled, you know, beneath the weight of that blow. You know, he fell to the ground. He was just entirely blindsided. And I wonder, have you ever had that happen to you? You know, have you ever been entirely, altogether blindsided? You know, what I, what I mean is that, you know, have you ever had that, that, that day where you woke up in the morning, and I mean, what was about to happen was not on your radar. I mean, you, you had no clue that it was coming. I mean, you had no idea that such a thing was even possible. But in a moment, it happened. And your life changed. You know, it changed forever in one moment. You know, have you ever been entirely blindsided? Understand that it is in those moments when the peace of Christ can rule within you. It's in those moments that you can take hold of the peace that passes all understanding, that transcends all understanding. Take hold of the peace that is peace when peace should not be. Do you need the peace of Christ today? You know, the scripture says that, oh, in faith, that you would take it, that you would, would take it in, that you would let it rule your heart today. That Christ would be your peace. That Christ would be your strength. That Christ would be your ability to get up and get in and to take another snap. If you want to have a heart today that is thankful in spite of it all. If you want to have a heart that is thankful in the face of all that has happened, the terrible things... The evil things that have happened. Colossians says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart today. Let it rule in your heart. Understand, it's a relational peace, the peace of Christ. It's an emotional peace, the peace of Christ, that you can take hold of today.
Now I got a great verse that I want to give you. And I know, you know, all the verses are supposed to be good. And all the verses are good, right? But I mean, there are some verses that are just like, wow! Okay? And this is a wow verse. So you want to write this one down. It's Psalm 118.5. Okay? Psalm 118.5. It says, when hard pressed, it says, when distressed, I cried to the Lord and He brought me in to a spacious place. Isn't that beautiful? That's a good one. (laughs) When I was distressed, I cried to the Lord and He brought me in to a spacious place. That's what happens. That is the reality when the peace of Christ rules within So if you want to have a thankful heart, Colossians shows us, let the peace of Christ rule. Then secondly, in verse 16, it says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. If you want to have a thankful heart, be sure to let the word of Christ dwell in you. So that term, word of Christ, you know, what does that mean? You know, interestingly enough, uh, this phrase, the Word of Christ, this is the only place in the New Testament where this phrase uh, appears, the only time. It says, Word of Christ. Uh, So what does it mean? Well, uh, two things. First of all, we can understand that the Word of Christ is that. Okay? The Word of Christ is the Word of Christ. The Word of Christ is Christ's Word. His teaching, what we read about Him uh, in the New Testament, you know, I thought about the story uh, in Luke chapter six, where Jesus he talked about a wise man, if you remember, and he said uh, that the wise man he was wise because he built his house on a solid rock. But he talked also about a foolish man in that story, and he said the foolish man was foolish because he built his house upon the sand. And we all know what happened, right? I mean, the rains came down and the floods came up, you know. We all know what happened. Well, in the context of that story, do you know what the solid rock is? It's Christ's words. It's Jesus' words. Jesus said, you know, understand that that this, this wise man, he's wise because he's heeding me. He's wise because He's obeying me. He's wise because He listens to me. This, this foolish man, well see, he's foolish because he does not listen. He does not heed. He does not obey. That's the difference between the wise and the foolish here, Jesus says. So the Word of Christ, in our passage we can understand that it means just that. The Word of Christ refers to Christ's Word. But we can also understand that not only does it refer to Christ's Word, but it also refers to the Spirit's Word. Okay, that's the second thing. Not only does it refer to Christ's Word, but the Word of Christ also refers to the Spirit's Word. Now, why do I say that? Well, in John chapter 14, verse 26, in John chapter 14, uh, 26, Jesus, He's re- uh, getting ready to leave those who are gathered around Him. And so he says, listen, I'm going to send another one 
Who's going to be with you? Who's going to continue to teach you? And he also says, you know, what's he say that 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 one is going to do? He says that I'm going to have him remind you of my words. He's going to remind you of everything that I said. And so we can understand that the word of Christ is not only Christ's word, but it is also the Spirit's word. It's Christ's words and it's the Spirit's words. And you know, I I think it's interesting uh, that we should know because it's in our passage that there in verse uh, 16, it says, you know what, When, when you're allowing that word to dwell in you, you know, notice in our passage that it says, you know, there are things that are going to happen. And it says that you're going to be able to teach. And it says you're going to be able to admonish. Which admonish? What is that? You know, it's like correct, you know, to guide along, correct, admonish. It says you're going to be able to teach, you're going to be able to admonish. And, you know, it also says, you know, that you're going to be able to sing, giving all thanks when that word of Christ is is dwelling in you. And listen, I, I want us to, to catch something here. Okay? So, as I just said, the word of Christ in us enables us to teach with God's wisdom. Right? Right. <laughs> That's right. So, conversely then, if the word of Christ is not in us, then what will we teach with? If not God's wisdom. It's going to be man's wisdom. Right? If I'm not indwelt with the word of Christ. I'm not going to be able to teach with God's wisdom. I'm going to be able to teach uh, with man's wisdom. So let's let's just keep thinking about this for a little bit. So man's wisdom. If I'm teaching with man's wisdom, you know, today in our culture, what does man's wisdom teach? And again, I'm trying to show you why, why the word of Christ dwelling is so important in us. Okay, so the Word of Christ is not in me. I've got man's wisdom instead. So what am I teaching? What does man's wisdom teach to us today? Well, for example, you know, man's wisdom uh, is teaching us that, that together, you and I, we can accomplish anything. There is no mountain that is too big to climb. There is no tower that is too tall to build. If, if you and I, if we will but bond together, if we will be one. There is nothing up there, there is nothing out here that is necessary other than our human will and our human spirit. Okay, that's what man's wisdom is teaching today. Okay, man's wisdom teaches us to conform with those around us, to conform to the standards of the world. Man's wisdom is teaching us that if you believe it to be true, then it is true. That's wrong. That's wrong. Understand that if we do not teach with God's wisdom, we will teach with man's, which we know is hollow, which we know can be deceptive, which we know can be foolish and empty. So let's keep thinking about that. That's what it looks like when we're teaching with man's wisdom. What about if we're admonishing with man's wisdom? You know, take the word of Christ out of me, and so now I'm not, I'm not admonishing, I'm not correcting with God's wisdom. Now I'm going to try to admonish and correct with man's wisdom. 
What's that going to look like? Well, today in our culture, men's wisdom does not correct. Okay? Today in our culture, man's wisdom does not correct. What do the scriptures say? It says, all of a man's ways seem what? Seem right to him. Okay, a man's ways seem right. There's nothing, there's nothing for me to correct here. Through man's wisdom, there is no reason to correct, correct because all of my ways seem right. They make me feel good. If I didn't do what seemed right to me, if I didn't do what made me feel good, then that would be wrong because I'm not being true to myself. That's man's admonishing, you know, rather than, than God's. Without the word of Christ, we're admonishing with man's wisdom, which means we are not admonishing at all. So that's what happens when we teach with man's wisdom. That's what happens when we admonish with man's wisdom. What about singing with man's wisdom? You know, tell me about that. I mean, what what does that sound like? (laughs) When you're singing with man's wisdom rather than with God's. One example... Baby shark, do 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 do. Baby shark, do 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 do. You know, I mean that's that's what you end up with when you take God out of it. Baby shark, that's what you're singing about. That's the deep truth. Run away, do 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 do. And I know I'm ditching baby shark, but I want you to know, you know, every night. Hazel, my three-year-old, what does she ask me to sing? Baby Shark. And what do I as a dad do? I sing Baby Shark, you know. I don't feel like three years old is really the time to dig in your theological heels, you know, about song. But you know, we also sing songs of content. We don't just sing Baby Shark. You know, we sing songs that talk about how, how Jesus loves me, you know, no matter what I do. We, we sing songs that talk about how, my God, oh, He never lets me go, we sing. We sing songs of content. I'm just trying to make a point. Look at the difference between when the Word of Christ dwells within you and when the word of man dwells in you. Do you see that difference? I wanted to make, try to make this personal for us. So, like on this screen here, we're going to take the peace of Christ out of let the peace of Christ rule. So now it just says, let the blank rule. So I just wanted to encourage you to think for a moment in your life today, you know, if you had one of those little like laser pointers, you know, that you can like, if you have one, don't get it out. But, but if you did have, have one of those and you could write something up in that blank, in that blank line, what, what would you write? In my life, I let the rule. I was thinking about, I know we have a lot of Lord, a lot of Lord of the Rings fans 
in the room today. And what's the big quote from the Lord of the Rings? That that uh, inscription that was on the ring. It said, one ring to rule them all. One ring to find them. One ring to bring them all. And in the darkness bind them. You know, I wonder, what's your one ring today? You know, when you look at your life, what's that, that one ring that rules? What's that, that one thing that is constantly calling out to you? You know, even as, as we've been here this morning, you know, as you've been trying to, to be a good Christian, you've been trying to listen to the message, you know, even still in those moments, there's that thing, that thing that rules you, that continues to call out and says, over here, over here, listen to me, look at me. You know, and you're longing to go after it. What's the one thing that rules within you? Can you name that? Let's go ahead and take the word of Christ out of the dwell. So instead of let the word of Christ dwell, it's let the dwell. What would you put on that line? When, when you're looking into that room, that God space in your heart, you know, when you're looking up at, up at that space, what would you, you place there? Let the what dwell. What is it that dwells within you? You know, this summer, uh, we, had a, <clears throat> we had a problem in our house. The problem was our house stank. I mean, it stunk bad. It was like, walk in the door, holy moly, my eyes are watering. You know, where is the holiday in? It was bad. And so, you know, we were looking online, we were Googling and on YouTube and trying to figure out, man, what is this smell in the house? So finally we ended up getting an air conditioning guy to come out to the house. And so it ended up, now I don't know a whole lot about this business, okay? But it was some deal with like a condensation line, okay? And so the water is supposed to run out of your air conditioner. But this line, it can get clogged up. And what had happened in our case was this, this uh, condensation line, it, it, got, it was bumped up. So it wasn't able to drain out onto the ground. And so instead of running out onto the ground, it was running down uh, into our air ducts. And so there was this pool of water down there. And over time, I mean, just that pool of water, you know, it got yucky and it really began to uh, to stink. And, you know, right around that time, uh, Sam was born. And so people were bringing, you know, meals over to the house. And, and one night, Miss Amy brought a, a meal over to the house. And so Nicole called to tell me, hey, Amy brought dinner over. And I was absolutely mortified. I was like, my first question is, did you turn the air off? Did you turn the air off? Because I was scared to death that she might walk in our house and be like, whoo, you know, because it was bad. But I was so ashamed, you know, I didn't want anyone to be able to smell what was inside of my home because it was so bad. You know, what's dwelling inside of you today? 
You know, when you look into that room of your heart, when you, when you look into the home of your soul, you know, what's permeating the, the carpets and the curtains and the, the couches, that, that spacious place that's to be reserved for God. You know, what's filling up that space today? What is it that's dwelling in you? You know, 2 Corinthians 2, it tells us that you and I, we are to be an aroma of Christ, it says. It says we're to be an aroma of Christ. Ephesians 5, 2 tells us that you and I, that we should live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us as a fragrant offering. Okay, through the way we live, there's to be an aroma about us. There's to be a, a fragrance there. But I wonder what's in your heart today. Is there a fragrance? Is there an aroma? Or is it a stench? You know, is there a sourness there? Something that's not of God. Let the peace of Christ rule. Let the word of Christ dwell. Do you have a thankful heart today? You know, when you look out again at the mercy of God and the love of God and the gifts of God and the grace of God, all those things, do you have a heart that is thankful today? Or do you have a heart filled with something else? Anxiety or or, or bitterness or anger or hurt or whatever it might be. Is your heart full of gratitude or, or full of envy? So I wanted to share a story with you. <clears throat> it's from uh, Genesis chapter 40. And in that passage, we find Joseph. And Joseph, of course, he's the coat of many colors guy. And so Joseph, you know, we find that he's in prison. And at this particular time, we're told that two men uh, who are also in prison come up to Joseph And Joseph sees them and we're told that when Joseph saw their faces, he asked them, why are your faces so sad today? He said, why are your faces so sad? And so the men told him, well, they were troubled because they had had a couple of dreams and they didn't know how to interpret them. They didn't know what they meant. And so Joseph, he interpreted the dreams for them. For one of the men, it was not a favorable uh, interpretation, but for the other man who was the cupbearer of the king, it was a favorable position, uh, interpretation. And so what happened then was Joseph told the man, well listen, you know, you're soon going to regain your freedom and you're going to be restored to your place there in the king's court. But Joseph's only request was, listen, just when, when you regain your freedom, you know, when you're there with the king again, he said, don't Forget about me, because I'm, I'm still here. I'm still in prison. I'm still not free. But you know, we're told that just a few days later, the cupbearer, he was granted his release. He was returned to the king's court, and the cupbearer remembered him not. You know, he forgot about Joseph. And I just felt like, guys, I was... 
supposed to ask you today. Why are our faces so sad? Why is your face so sad? I mean, understand that today you are no longer objects of the great wrath. In Christ, you are no longer at odds with the King. You are no longer enemies with the strong one. Rather, you are objects of a great, great, deep, eternal, unending, never failing love. You're the object of that. So why are our faces so sad? That we would lay no longer today in our hurt, in our envy, in our discouragement. May we no longer lay, but rather today may we get up and may we walk in the freedom of Christ. Walk about today full of thanksgiving, full of gratitude for all that God has wrought for you. You know, Psalm 103, verse 2, what's it say? It says, Forget not the Lord and all His benefits, that I would not be the cupbearer, that I would not be granted my freedom and walk away and forget. But that I would remember the benefits of my King and that I would respond with praise, with a grateful heart with a thankful heart. I wanted to close this morning um, by watching a video. And in this song, it's just a beautiful expression of praise. In this song, we, we, we see a right view of ourselves, where we are, who we are. But in this song also, we, we see who God is and how great God is. And then, then we just see the response. God, you are great and good and merciful and kind and I love you today for it. So let's watch that together. I wanted to share that with you here. H.A. Ironside, he was a pastor of Moody Church in Chicago back in the 30s and 40s. Something is radically wrong with the Christian when he can no longer praise and rejoice. I wonder if you just bow your heads with me. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, you've shown me the last 40 years that there's no sin too great that I can commit. There's nothing terrible enough that I can say. There's nothing foolish enough that I can believe. 
that will separate me from your love. And Father, I know that there are those of us here today, um, and man, there there is great guilt uh, on our shoulders. There's a trail of regret that's a mile long. The defeat is so hard to breathe under today. So Holy Spirit, I would just pray in the name of Jesus that as they lay themselves at your feet, Maybe unable to speak today. But as they simply lie down, that you would turn your face to them. And that the warmth of the sun, that the brightness of the sun would become known in their heart today. That you would set them free from sin today, God. You would set them free from death. And that through the power of Christ, that each of us would be able to rise today with uh, the rule of Christ, the peace of Christ, reigning in our hearts. And the word of Christ, the Spirit's word, that it would be fully indwelt in us, filling us and saturating us today. Father, how I pray for each sweetheart that's here. And I pray that they would know your love and your grace. And if you're here today and you want to know that love and you think to yourself, I'm so far from that love. If you would just repeat after me, just there in the quietness of your own heart and just say, Father, I have sinned. I am tarnished and I am blemished. But I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe He rose from the dead. And I pray that in His name You would wash me clean of every sin and every stain. And Father, for anyone who prayed that prayer, I pray that they would know beyond the shadow of a doubt that they are now part of the family of God. And the realities that we spoke of today in regards to having a thankful heart, that that reality can be their reality today. Spirit, let them know it. Confirm it. Stamp it on their hearts today, I would pray. And Father, for all of your good gifts and and from all the different corners that you brought us from, we just say thank you. Thank you for your goodness today. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.